On weeks where we are unable to record a new episode, we will be revisiting some of the more popular episodes from the past. Since I didn't join this dynamic duo until episode 92, I will be re-listening along with you and adding my thoughts as an intro. We hope that you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Starting at the top with episode number one, the two artists chosen are very complimentary of each other. Todd starts with David Lee Roth and the song Yankee Rose. Jimmy finishes with Little Richard and the song Long Tall Sally. I don't want to spoil the episode, so I will just add a couple of my thoughts. Both artists are flamboyant, joyful, and most importantly, talented. They both have incredible showmanship and know how to speak to all people, not leaving anyone out. You get the rock and roll along with the glam and excitement of not knowing what they will do next. So please enjoy revisiting where it all began. Don't forget to follow us and email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions. Enjoy episode one. All right, welcome to Every Playlist Tells a Story. I'm Todd. I'm Jimmy. And uh, getting together, trying to get this thing going and uh, talk about some music and catch up with each other. Before we get started, we'll notate that uh, we're in the middle of the pandemic. And I guess I don't know what day it is. Yeah, it's up teen something of whatever we're going month. On three months. Yeah, it's craziness. Um, but I think we've we've gotten the okay by the governor to be able to pool together in small groups. Of at least two, for sure. At least two, yeah. But no more than ten, or I'm not even sure what the rules are anymore. Yeah, it's it's about what I mean. The restaurants are open, so it's got to be. Yeah, but they're really some of them are open. Some are still waiting a little bit, but I think it's super minimum capacity. Yeah, so. yeah, it's like ten to twenty five right now, but it'll increase. It's going to yeah. get up to like two fifty, and then for like Fourth of July is like hundred percent. Right. Yeah. With, with yeah. social distancing. With so social distancing. Good luck at a concert. Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Uh, all right. Well, so get kind of a timeline reference out of the way just so we know where we're starting from. Um, kind of the idea of this is just kind of get together with Jimmy and talk about some music that, you know, pick song each week, tell some stories, give a little background on it. And uh, I know he'll have some stuff for me that I've not thought about in years or maybe even not even heard of. And I'm sure I'll have the same for him. So start talking about some music, see where it goes. And uh Maybe this thing will be fun. Yeah, we, um, you know, our we have such a catalog of music that uh, it changes, it, it rotates. You know, I'm there one week I'm into heavy metal, next week I'm into, you know, bluegrass or classic country yep. or R and B, Motown. It just switches up, and so this is where we are at this moment of our life. Depends on the temperature outside, if the sun's shining or not. What side of the bed you woke up on. And the sun is shining. It is a beautiful May day outside. It's a beautiful May day. I think we're getting up to like 80, I think. Yeah. yeah. I will take. And this song is the perfect song for a beautiful sunny day. Beautiful sunny day. All right. Well, uh, I'll kick it off here. My song for the week is Diamond David Lee Roth from the Eat 'em and Smile record, 1986. First single, Yankee Rose. And I will say this. For me, this is the... And I don't know what it is about it. Everything about this song is perfect for me. I will hear the song come on, start in the playlist. I will verbally out loud say, oh, yeah. I will get excited about the song. I don't think I've ever skipped over this song. I don't think I've ever turned this song off mid-song. I think I've always turned it up. I love everything about this song. One of the best tempo-setting intros you can find in the song. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, man. I, it, it's 
and I, and I don't know what it is because I mean it's every other song I can think of. It's at some point I'm just like, okay, I've had enough of it or whatever. And I've been listening to this song. This came out in 1986, just shy of 40 years. I'll do the math, right? 30 years, I guess. 30 years. Yeah, I mean, four shy of 40. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's my gut. I everything video, everything about the song. Dig it, totally dig it. Um, quick stuff, background stuff. Forgot on it uh, from the Edom and Smile record. Uh, found a quote said, you know, that Edom and Smile David Lee Roth record was frequently evaluated as one of the greatest rock and roll albums of the 80s, uh, which I agree with. It's a fantastic record. Um, song itself, Yankee Rose, tribute to Statue of Liberty. Um, again, I wrote down, I don't ever not feel like hearing this song. This song can come up. It can come up twice in a row and I'd be happy about it. I just, awesome. Um, in the band at the time had Steve Vai. Uh, Billy Sheehan and is it Greg Bissonette as the drummer? Yeah, that's right. Is am saying it right? Now, Steve Vai, uh, I did write some notes down about him. Started with Zappa. Um, I've got that he was in the movie Crossroads in 1986. He played the devil's guitar player, Jack Butler. Which was awesome. Which was awesome and great. Uh, and, and the one quote that I that jumped out at me and all the stuff I found on Wikipedia, um, was just kind of jumping around looking at stuff, but the one quote I found about him about his guitar playing, Steve Vai's guitar wizardry is so profound that in earlier times he'd have been burned as a witch. Holy cow. <laughs> that is just, I mean, and that, to me, that explains his, I mean, the dude played. Yeah, and he was a warlock. Yeah, he was a warlock. And just the fact that somebody would say it was so profound that if he would have been in earlier times, they would have burned him as a witch. I would, that just, that was perfect. I, I could see that scaring people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it almost reminds me. It's it's like uh, Back to the Future at the end of when uh, Michael, Michael J. Fox, Fox play, playing that solo at the end and going crazy, and everybody's looking and shocked and stunned and whatnot. Yeah, and yeah. Out the crowd yeah. And it kind of reminds me of that a little bit yeah. too. But that's uh, true. Yeah. Um. You know, Yankee Rose. I, I guess when I wrap my head around this song and think about the time it came out and whatnot, this was, you know. The first full-length record after David left Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd done his EP with California Girls and and that sort of stuff, but this was kind of the first, I, I, I feel like, serious, all right, I'm getting back to it and doing a rock and roll record. And I almost feel like just from those, some of the lyrics, it was almost, to me, it was a shot of, you know, uh, are you ready for a new sensation and that whole guess who's back in circulation line. I took those, man, those were shots at Van Halen. That's how I've always interpreted it. Because, really? I'm, well, I mean, if you look at that, was it 5150 was the Van Halen album? Yeah. You know, those, you know, I went back and looked at the songs and just tried to wrap my head around what they were doing at the time. It got serious. I mean, they kind of definitely went away from that good time rock and roll. I mean, there was still a vibe of it, but it seems like they got more mature, if you will. Uh, it, was, it was top 40. Yeah. And, and you know. I wasn't. I don't think I was ready for that. I was ready to keep the party going, and David Lee Roth definitely kept the party going. Yeah, yeah. It's Van Halen. It's. I mean, you kind of see hints of it with the you know the the last album I did with David, nineteen eighty four. Yep. I'll wait. Um, was an obvious one, but they, you know there was keyboards. I mean, there was some keyboards in Fair Warning at the end, and a little bit in Diver Down. But man, they really used keyboards in eighty four. Then fifty one fifty. Right. He just went all out. Oh yeah, it just was not. 
know, for women and children first at all. So, and 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 David held on to traditional Van Halen for all the fans that were just, you know, kind of disappointed in fifty one fifty. Yeah, I wasn't ready to to move on from that classic Van Halen party vibe sound, and uh, I was glad this record came out. I mean, from I mean this. It was just from from top to bottom a great record. Yeah, I remember. I clearly remember all that drama in '86. Oh yeah, David Lee, uh, he um, introduced this album to the world just after the Fourth of July, and that was the Fourth of July that they reopened the Statue of Liberty. Right. I mean, it came in days after they opened it, so it, the timing was perfect for this video for this song. It's all about Statue of Liberty. It's a huge. Huge advertising, Americana, American oh, yeah. Pie, everything David Lee Roth is all about. It, it was a, it was perfect. Yeah. And speaking of video, I remember watching that video when it you know first came on or whatever. It was just like the whole opening convenience scene, everything about that. It was like the whole little movie before the song and like all his kind of videos had a theme to them. But I remember watching it with my dad and my dad just kind of laughing at it and that whole opening montage of just all those people in that store and then, you know, give me a bottle of anything and a glazed donut to go. Yeah, and the going into the tribal warrior. Yeah. And then going straight into the song. I mean just that whole and that whole video itself was just that whole live performance and just total David Lee Roth, total showing off, shaking his ass, being being who he was. Right. Yeah, you either love him or hate him. There's no in between with him. Right. Yeah, it's it's funny because like my brother-in-law is—he's a '70s guy. Right. He grew up on Black Oak, Arkansas. Okay. So you know, for him, David Lee Roth is a ripoff of the lead singer of uh, Jim Dandy, the mm-hmm. lead singer. Yeah. And I think, and he saw him on the '84 tour when David came to Evansville Robert Stadium, and he was wearing assless chaps the entire set, and that just. You know, it's hard to watch a man wear assless chaps and perform live in concert. So it, that turned him off. So older people don't like him. Younger people don't like him because they're from the grunge movement, you know, Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana, Pearl Jam, you name it. And, you know, glam rock, like Dave, was, you know, hairspraying his hair to the moon. It's hard to relate with that. It's over the top. <laughs> it's, it's definitely over the top. I agree with that. And that's what draws me to it. I, I love that just kind of hokiness. You know, I grew up kid of the 80s, hair bands, you know, that whole vibe was what I grew up listening to. So, you know, David Lee Roth was the king of that stuff. And, you know, I, I remember when you had kind of talked about the your brother and the Jim Dandy reference, we went back and watched the video of it. Yeah. I mean, wow, it's, yeah. yeah. It's obvious. I mean, from the the outfit to the moves to just the flipping of the hair. I mean, yeah, it's, you can definitely tell, tell where it came from. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's painfully obvious, but, um, but the, the, see, but those, those two groups, they don't go, they can only see, they only look at what they see and they don't go any further than that. Right. They, they're not Van Halen fans because, I love it for the music. I put up with Dave and all his annex, and this is ridiculousness. Right. Because I know he's talented. I know there's great songwriting You know, there. What, what he's producing is what you're buying. Yeah. So you'll tolerate. The acid chaps and, and the hairspray <laughs> and all that silliness. But you don't you know? love the attitude? See, I dig the attitude as much as I love the songs. Just that. 
It's party time. I don't give a shit. Everything's a good time. There's no bad days. But it comes through in the music, though. It, t- it does. The Yankee Rose is a party song. Oh, God, yeah. I, even if he was dressed like you and I. Yeah. And, and you hear that song, you don't care what he looks like. Right. You know, I mean, the image, it, the mentality that goes into making a song goes along with his clothing selection. Right. You know, obviously. But that... Uh, you know, I tolerate all that stuff. That's not me at all <laughs> because the music's great. It makes me feel great, and that's exactly. why. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, I never, man, I, I never knew it was more about the music than saying. Oh yeah, I'm I'm fifty fifty. I definitely I love the music, but man, I just I love everything about the persona too, just because it's over the top and it just makes me laugh. It's so. You can't take it serious. It's comical, but it's just like well, you got. I mean, you got to remember that I, you know, I come from a family of eight children, youngest of eight. All you know, they came up late sixties, all the way through the eighties. The prime, prime music albums. I thousands of LPs mm-hmm. in my family's collection. So, I, you know, my experience with Van Halen was through the headphones playing right. albums. You know, I saw pictures of Dave. You know, but nothing on the Van Halen. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so, you know, it wasn't until okay, eighty, you know, when Jump and right. Mall and all those videos started coming out. Then you got Yankee Rose, which was just even more over the top. Oh yeah. Um, so to me, it was always about the music. Yeah, you know, all that. I never there wasn't much video material in the early eighties right. about Van Halen that I had access to. You know, here in our little neck of the woods. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, one of my fondest memories of David Lee Roth involving you is we went to Indianapolis, and I don't even remember what year it was, but I think it was... 99. Was it 99? Yeah. So we went to Indianapolis, and it was Roth opening for, I want to say, Bad Company. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Roth being opening for Bad Company, Mark Square Arena, no longer there. Yeah, um, he was promoting his uh, greatest hits. It was album. the greatest hits record. Yeah. yeah, my fondest memory that went up there, got there, got our seats. Roth came out, did the show. You know, been a lot of years since. You know, I remember we talked about how he, he wasn't making the jumping kicks like he used to. Yeah, uh, he had to start on. The, he had to get up on the get drum up on the riser, drum riser, and jump off. Yeah, yeah, and that was sad. But I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it's been some years since you've done the stuff, so I get it. Uh, but I remember getting to the end of that and, and feeling complete and really, you know, I don't know if I want to stick around and see Bad Company or not. Yeah. And uh, I remember there was people in our aisle laughing that we were leaving. Yeah. And yeah. they were laughing because we knew yeah. that we were only here for David yeah. Lee Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't remember how the conversation went, but, you know, I'm sure it was like, hey, man, you want to go ahead and get out of here or you want to stick around for Bad Company or what do you want to do? And uh Remember you saying to me, you know what the good thing about leaving a concert early is? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, Jimmy. What's, what's the good thing about leaving a concert early? You got time to get ice cream. Yeah, more, it gives you more time for ice cream. And if I remember correctly, we did stop and get ice cream. Oh, hell yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah we celebrated yeah, that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And that just, <laughs> uh, oh, God, that was that was some of the best times. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that was Paul Rogers' bad company. It wasn't even, you know, right. God bless us, so Mr. Howe, you know. Right. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, and we pa- yeah, we passed on that because we were just so elated to see finally yeah. see David Lee Roth. That was our first time, my first time. Uh I'm trying to think. I think it was my first time too. I he came through Evansville in eighty six, eighty seven area. But yeah, I didn't go. I can't remember if I went or not for yeah. some reason. Yeah. No, no, we did go see him in was it two thousand seven 
when Van when Halen got back, re- Van got back Van Halen, yeah. went and saw that up in Indianapolis as well. It's funny. You said your favorite moment was when he played I'll Wait. That's when I went to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, each his own, I guess. So anyway, that's that's my report this week on my song. Um, and a quick little background, just so you understand where I'm coming from. I worked in record stores for years. I, I've always cataloged my music in categories and put things in, you know, you know, certain. Ca- I've always had to organize it. Just a thing with me. Um, so what I'm doing on this as well is I am. I've got like playlist categories in my Spotify account. So. You know, I've got certain songs that will only go in one category, certain songs are going all kinds of categories, but what I'll try to do on each of the songs I do is just kind of talk about where I'll put these particular songs I'm talking about. So on Yankee Rose, um, definitely going to put it in my cooking playlist. I mean, if I'm grilling, if I'm in the kitchen cooking, whatever, I've got a playlist that plays along, and yeah. this definitely drops into that one. Um, 100% driving. You know, this is this is this is a sunny day, windows down, air blowing through your hair, turned up as loud as it can go. With that Billy Sheen and bass line, yeah. Definitely. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. So hundred percent in that one. And I'm also gonna drop this in my yard work if I'm out planting trees or shrubs or mowing grass or chopping firewood or whatever, working on a project in the yard. This is definitely on that playlist as well because when this comes on that it's break time. It's time to stop and soak the song up and and, and take a moment. Well-deserved break. So those are my playlists. That This one's definitely fallen into. It probably falls in some other ones. Again, I've, this song's never started, and I've said, oh, not now. I'm not in the mood. So, Right. Um, but yeah. definitely. Not time for the national anthem here. Oh, always got time for a little <laughs> apple pie. <laughs> so, all right. That's my report. Okay, well, you know, this episode, you picked a personality, so I had to pick a personality. Okay, perfect. And I picked the original personality. Now, anything I say is not going to hold a speck of sand to how this man could describe himself. Because he is the originator, he is the emancipator, he's the proclamator. That is Little Richard himself. Oh, yeah. Now, there's there's obviously a lot of songs you could pick. The one in particular I picked was Long Tall Sally. Gotcha. Uh, Long Tall Sally, released as a single March 1956. Um Showed up on a compilation album a year later. Uh, I'm a big fan of New Orleans. Right. Saints. I know that. Huge Saints fan. Favorite, uh, just to interject real quick, my favorite story, New Orleans down there. You were in the Saints uh, uh, team shop. First time ever in First New time Orleans. ever. Yeah. In New Orleans. That's right. And you're in the team shop. You, number one, you look like you had just found the Holy Land. I did. But I, I remember you saying to me, if you could only buy five things <laughs> what would they be you know, oh that struck me i was like dude man you are here just buy everything i was so excited for that trip <laughs> oh my god yeah that was okay got to go in the superdome and oh that, that was awesome yeah, yeah tour yeah. the superdome yep yeah I, I still got that picture of you uh next to a plaque down in the french quarter you were smoking a cigarette taking a black break and you just happened to be next to a plaque that said um the origin of jazz and your face right next to it I think anybody knows me knows that, yeah, that's a pretty you're, accurate you're, definition. You're very free form. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, that, yeah, wow, I forgot about that. But yeah, if you could only buy five things, I just thought that was the fight. Because normally, it's, you know, if you could only get one or two things, you were like five. Like, yeah. Man, just get everything. Yeah, I, yeah, I, there's still stuff. Um, it, to this day, I got a shrine, the Saint Shrine down in my basement. And I know at least a couple of things from that moment yeah. or on that shrine. That was awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, but anyway, okay, so this this song was recorded in New Orleans, um, recorded February 10th, 1956 at J&M Studios. Now, this studio, now I go to New Orleans a lot, it's located on 840 North Rampart in New Orleans. That's on the north side of the French Quarter, across from the New Orleans Jazz National Historic Park building. It is gone, oh wait, I'm sorry, the studio's gone, but the building's still there. Okay. Next time I go... I'm going to go visit and make sure I get plenty of pictures. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I never knew the song was recorded in New Orleans. Yeah, so that's why. research on it. Um, five facts. Five facts. Real quick on the song. Yeah. Uh, born Richard Wayne Penniman wrote the song as a dishwasher at the Greyhound Station in Macon, Georgia, his hometown. He had, he had a recording contract with RCA Victor Records after getting help from Artists that came through the opera house uh, in his hometown, Macon, Georgia, while he was selling uh, cokes out of a bucket, as he put it, uh, okay. to people who sat and was watching the opera. Uh, the person that helped him most was uh, Sister Rosetta Sharp. Okay. Uh, she was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018 by the lead singer of Alabama Shakes, Brittany Howard. Okay. Um, got him on the... Um, uh, traveling tour shows and got notes that way. Got the, got that contract with RCA Victor Records, but it didn't go anywhere. So he kind of he kind of fell from grace from that and ended up back, you know, and being the dishwasher at the Greyhound Station. Sure, that's, that's where he came up. Tutti Fruity came up with all the songs you know wow. uh, from the fifties. Yeah. Just sitting there washing dishes, coming up to hit. Yeah, he somehow got a hold of a guy that um, could uh, get him. You know, to record these songs. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was uh, Robert Bumps Blackwell. Uh, he got credit for writing the song, along with Eno Johnson. A little background on those two guys. Um, Bumps Blackwell, uh, he gave him credit on this particular song, Long Tall Sally, because he uh, worked with Little Richard to help speed up the vocals deliberately to make it difficult to copy. Now, there's a story behind that. I'll get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Eno Johnson was... Um, a guy that adopted Little Richard after he was kicked out of his uh, out of his house. Um, his dad kicked him out for for being gay, basically. Oh wow! Yeah, he was uh, the third of twelve children, and Richard Little Richard said many times that um, his dad wanted seven boys and he was screwing it up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Very different times. Yeah. A, a very abusive father. Wow. He loved, loved his father, but wow. He very abusive for his. Film them right, yeah. Um, being high pitched and not so athletic, and like his uh, brothers, I guess. Uh, so another fact, uh, according to Little Richard, Long Tall Sally was a friend of the family. She was an alcoholic. Uh, she would complain about having constant colds all the time, and then would try to and try to fix those problems with hot toddies all day. Long Tall, I guess, in Macon, Georgia, according to Little Richard means that you're not a very pretty girl. Okay. She was an ugly girl. So it's uh, the same as saying uh, great personality. Great personality. Long yeah. and tall. Long, tall okay. means you're not like proportionally correct for gotcha. a woman to be attractive. All right. Yeah. It's um, uh, so another fact. Uh, it's not very nice. No. no. Wow. No. No. <laughs> no. No, though. All right. Um and one more fact about this song: it was it was recorded by Pat Boone and Elvis Presley, and their versions outsold Little Richards. Um, what I dig about the song, the vocals, I you know, uh, 
all the pioneers, Little Richard is the only vocalist I see that could front a heavy metal band because of the way he screams the song. Man, I was gonna say because like when when you said you're, this was the song, I went back and and did some watching videos off YouTube, man. And there's one. It's from 1956, or it's listed as from 1956, well, black and white one. Mm-hmm. And man, his vocal style. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's just it was it, it was loud and it was gritty and it was. In a lot of senses, to me, it was just true. And what I noticed about it is, you know, he'd be at his piano. That microphone was so far away. Yeah. And and it occurred to me is like, man, I wonder if if that's because he just his how he sings and his vocal style. But it's like, but yeah, man, his the the way he sang was aggressive. Yeah, it, you know, you go, you talk about the old rockers. Him and Screaming Jay Hawkins are probably the only two. Right. <laughs> Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yeah, I put the spell on you. Yeah. I don't know if you know oh yeah. Oh, about, I, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a crazy overtop voice. I, I could see Lou Richard singing "Highway to Hell" or Oh yeah, remember <laughs> the Beast yeah. or Holy Diver? I mean, mm-hmm. in his own style. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Um, another thing I dig about it: it's been covered by everybody. I mean, everybody knows the Paul McCartney Beatles version, but you know Led Zeppelin, Elvis, Springsteen, Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, an old album my brother has uh, from the Scorpions, Tokyo Tapes, which is like a live album, mm-hmm. '78. There's a cover on there. Wow, Hart, John Fogerty, Molly Hatchet. It's been. It's a strong song. It's man. A I mean, it's, song. it's it's you know it's one of those songs that. I mean, it's basic twelve bar blues. Right. Yeah. It's it's got that classic. For you know, when it came, that's that classic. I almost call it kind of a doo wop sound, um, and it's something you know. It's it's always cool to hear. You know, it's it's got a good vibe to it. I don't ever, I don't find myself sitting around listening to a lot of it. But you know, when you see it or a song comes up in a movie or something like that, you know, you run across it. It's 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 solid, man. It's the, yeah, it's the beginning. It's the basics yeah. where everything kind of shot off from. Yeah, it's it's cool. And you mentioned movies. I mean. Obviously, two of my favorite 80s movies, I'm not proud to say, but I love. Um, well, you know, Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you know, when they're in the helicopter, mm-hmm. they're getting ready to do their jump for the assignment to go into the jungle. Yeah. Blaring. Yeah. Tall Sally. Blaring it. And another song. That, it, that's the, the kickstart my heart song of the uh get him amped up yeah yeah so it's getting that you know the former governor of minnesota wrestler that's uh, right yeah he was on there he sure baby he ain't yeah. got time to bleed yeah they're all digging it yeah <laughs> last song they would hear before they all died except for the sorts and wow. of course but spoiler alert <laughs> and the other other movie from the 80s that's a classic uh it was in the first si- fight scene uh jeff healy was the uh house band you know it's oh, Movie I'm thinking it's of Roadhouse, baby. Roadhouse. I just exactly. watched. I just watched that not too long ago. Yeah, Long Tall Sally was blaring from J- Jeff Healy Band in the first uh, house fight there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's it, it. You know, it. it it's you know, a staple, man. It's a staple. But the most in- interesting story about the song was um, a story about uh, Pat Boone. Pat Boone had gotten a hold of um, Tutti Frutti. That was the first song. That, okay. Little Richard wrote. Um, and Little Richard said that, you know, back in those days, there was only about five or six, you know, black radio stations that would play the song. White stations would not play right. Little Richard's version. Which is funny because, like I said in that YouTube video, 
I watched of the performance of the song. I mean, it's him and the band on stage playing, and it's just like a ton of white kids getting into it. Yeah. You know, and I I get that times were different, but it's bizarre to me that so many people were into it yet couldn't get played on. Well, as Little Richard say, Pat Boone was on top of the table and I was under the table. Right. All the kids had Little Richard's version, but they, that version could not be played on the right. radio. That's why Pat Boone sold more. Wow. So Pat Boone was in the, he got that from the record company. Now, he obviously, you know, his manager was waiting for the next song Little Richard's going to release. Bumps back, Blackwell knew that Long Tall Sally was going to be a hit. And he knew Pat Boone was going to be coming for it. So he worked with, uh, like I said, he worked with Little Richard to speed up and make that song a Little Richard song. So he knew that there's no way in the hell that Pat Boone could sing, you know, Duck Back in the Alley. Right. The way that Little Richard lays it down really fast. All right. Um, and the kids, obviously, you know, you don't ever think of Pat Boone's version of no. Long Tall Sally. You always uh-uh. think of Little Richard. Yeah. And it's because of Bumps Blackwell working huh. with Little Richard to, to speed up his singing style. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know much if there's uh, much more to say about it other than that, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, probably one more thing. I, my favorite line from Low Richard that I thought was the most interesting was uh, he said that if he was white, there would be no Elvis. Yeah. Which is true because he came before all of them. Right, yeah. And they, he just he never got to the white audience. Elvis is the one right, that yeah. everybody thinks of as a king of rock and roll. Yeah. Because he took the black man's music. But, you know, everybody knows the story. He took right. the black man's music and made it white. God. I'll tell you what, man. Just going back and watching videos of the guy, like, I mean, it's... It, the singing style is very distinctive, and we talked about that. But the other thing about him is, I mean, just watching it... it he, Little Richard is like the blueprint for rock and roll, just kind of like you said. Yeah, I mean everything from his the way he presented himself when he sang, and and I mean even to the video watch the you know the sax solo, sax player gets up on the piano, does the solo, then jumps back to the stage when it's you know time to get back to the groove or whatever. There's just like there's so many things about the song that I just just watching it and kind of observing stuff was like, man, this guy really was. Kind yeah, of, and you forget because it's been yeah. so long ago. Oh, yeah. Like growing up, and I, I'm going to be 50 this year. Right. Little Richard was always around. I mean, he was a personality. Yeah. I've seen him in, uh, he was on Miami Vice. I mean, he, he was a celebrity. Yeah. More than an entertainer in the 80s and 90s. I mean, right, he yeah. was a personality. Uh, you knew him as one of the, the origins of rock and roll, but. Until you, if you go, you have to go back and you go back and look at what he did in the fifties. It's just like wow. I mean, that, that was some talented some stuff. ground laying the groundwork, man. Yeah, of how how it's done and just being an. I mean, guy was an entertainer. The flamboyancy kind of covers that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you talk it about goes into it. You talk about David Lee Roth. And yeah, oh yeah. The, the all the flamboyancy mm-hmm. that goes with him. Well, okay, fine. Where's the music? I want to hear the music. You're right. And it, it's there with Little Richard just as well. Oh yeah. And, and there are times, I mean, it's it's almost like he's possessed. He's crazed. Yeah. And just, you know. And, yeah, well, that, that in the back performance, this, man. It was that Pentecostal church. Yeah, uh, oh, up, yeah. Upper, you know, the yeah, roots. Yeah. You know, that's where it comes from. God, that's awesome. You ever, I don't know if there's, there's some uh, YouTubes out there of him impersonating a Pentecostal 
Preacher. Oh, really? Oh, my God. It is <laughs> classic. Classic stuff. I'll have to go. Yeah, I'll go look at it. I mean, I, you know, I watched some of the videos, and I tried to watch some of the interviews. And just even some of the interviews, I mean, that guy was over the top. Over the top. Like, I mean, just even without impersonating the Pentecost, I can't imagine what that looks like after him just kind of talking to somebody and telling him, I think it was like a BBC thing or something. There was like a, the interviewer was like an English guy, I think. And just, you know, he was kind of calm and Richard was was calm and kind of going through it. And he's like, you know, can I just say something? And he goes into this rant of who he is and like kind of you said at the beginning, the innovator and yeah, all yeah. that. It just, he kind of went through that and was like, you know. Nobody did like it. Kind of did 15 seconds of talking about himself and then kind of took deep breath and blew it out. I was like, okay, I can, get, I can get back to being here. I just need to get that off my chest. I was like, man, that guy was just a showman. I saw a story there where he said he dressed up in makeup and wore all that flamboyant stuff in order to get uh, gigs at, at at white nightclubs because when he dressed like that, he wasn't a threat right. to the white wow. women. He said that, yeah. If he dressed up like he was gay, the, the white guys knew that he wasn't going to be a threat to the white women or That's try crazy. to hit on them. That's the reason why he dressed up like that. And he got so used to doing that, he just kept it just going. became part of it. Yeah. And he's been conf- conflicted with that. And there's stuff in the... I've seen the interviews, like he was on David Letterman in 82, where he had got written all of that. He went straight back to gospel. Right. He had, in the period after uh, Tutti Frutti and all that, it was like in the late 50s, he gave it all up and went back to gospel. You know, he went huh. to study. So he, and he's, he's an interesting personality. He went back and forth with that rock and roll life and the gospel life. He's really torn between the two. Most of his life, he went back and forth on that. Huh. Um, but, you know, it, I I wanted to bring it up mainly because you know he just recently passed away, right? And it, you know, you think about. I clearly remember when Elvis Presley died. You know, I was six years old. And I don't remember much about my that sixth year of my life, but I remember the day he died, and that's really when I learned about Little Richard. I didn't know anything about rock and roll, right? Uh, my mom was a she babysitted it back then, and I remember. The girl she was babysitting came in that morning and told me Elvis died, and I had no clue who that was. And I started watching TV all day, all week, Elvis movies. Mm-hmm. It was all about Elvis. And it's just amazing that Elvis got this huge celebration. And Little Richard and Chuck Berry three years ago, I mean, they were just kind of like a footnote for the day. Right. And nobody's really celebrating their life. And it may be because they lived a lot longer and— you know, Elvis, I guess it was kind of a shock because he died, I think, when he was 42 years old. Yeah. And he was still turning and all that. Right. But, you know, I, I just felt it was kind of sad, to, you know, that, you know, he's not being celebrated as hmm. much. Well, and, you know, I don't, we haven't talked about this, and I don't know, you may, you may be aware of it, you may not, but I watched probably a week ago, something came up on one of the socials, and it was like uh, Lemmy's memorial. You know, Lemmy from uh, Motorhead, yeah, yeah. his memorial thing, and it was Dave Grohl's speech. Have you seen this? <laughs> so, you know, Dave Grohl of Nirvana Free Fighters gets up there and he's talking about Lemmy and all the times they've had and how he met him and all this stuff. And, and it comes up that Lemmy, I guess, was a huge Little Richard fan. I'd seen him say something about I mean, yeah. evidently big enough to where it like, made an impression. And Grohl tells the story of going and meeting Little Richard you know, by chance or whatever, and, and mentioning his friend's fan or what. I'm not sure the specifics, but he got like a little card that little Richard signed that I guess that girl had planned to give to Lemmy. 
Okay. And during this memorial, I guess he never got the chance to do it. So this memorial is telling the story about meeting little Richard and getting this autograph for Lemmy and all that. And, yeah. you know, reaches in his pocket and he pulls out this piece of paper. And it's like, dude, man, I got choked up. It was yeah. like, holy crap. I mean, yeah. these are big monsters of rock digging this guy. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, man, that was such a touching moment. And it was, it was, and I don't know if that came up because of the little Richard just recently passing or if it was just something that, popped up in the feed and whatnot but i mean just well i do remember they used to have the golden gods in vh1 yeah and they did one for i think it was ozzy and i remember them interviewing lemmy backstage and asked him you know if you could pick a golden god who would be your golden god yeah and he said little richard yeah i do remember that that's and that's i mean it just goes to i mean god dude laid the groundwork for rock and roll oh yeah and it's uh that's wild yeah yeah, but that's my that's my song this week. That's and I'll it's call a, Sally. I will say it's a good one. I mean, it's I, I really the one of the things I enjoyed and kind of hope to get from doing this thing with you is just you know finding those songs. I, I'd never you know even when you know I saw a little Richard pass, I was like, oh wow, okay, you know that's that's sad and kind of think of you know I don't really dive into the whole what did he mean to everything and it kind of gave me an opportunity, like I said, to go look at some videos and listen to some songs and it was it was like wow, this is yeah. You forget all that stuff or, you know, fades away or whatever it is. But that's been the coolest thing for me. And, you know, I will say for me, this that's the journey. It's like finding this little Richard song and, and that I haven't heard in probably 30 years or have probably heard it and subconsciously not thought about it or whatever. Yeah, it's such a standard. Yeah, and just finding it and going, you know what? Yeah, man, I forgot about that song. That song's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, now I want to go visit the building where it was yeah. recorded in New Orleans. Yep. I want to go to Macon. The only reason I want to go to Macon, Georgia, is uh, yeah. you know, is to pay a little tribute to the man. Right. And, I, yeah, I've been to Macon a couple of times. It's you know, it's a nice little town, but I never associated that. But, yeah, if I yeah, ever yeah. go back, I'll definitely try to get – some time to look into the history or find some, like I said, just kind of going and touching the bricks of the building that the song was recorded in. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it almost to... seems silly, but at the same time, it's, it's spiritual almost. I mean, just, you know, yeah. Connection. Yeah. 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 That's what makes it great. That's what makes it great. Well, cool. Well, that's it, man. That's episode one. Think we did all right. We'll find out. We'll find, we'll find out. <laughs> all right. Well, um, uh, Cool, man. Till next time.